Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. Listen each week for updated content and be sure to share with your friends. We hope this podcast is a blessing and a resource to you as you pursue God daily. Amen, amen. Today we're going to talk to you about love. In fact, the title of the message today is simply this. What's love got to do, say got to do with it? Ow! Come on, Cozy, where you at? Whoa, whoa, what's up? I'm trying there. Let's I'm let trying Cozy to get there. do that, okay? Uh, well, well, yeah. You stick to preaching. Stay in my lane. Stay That's in right. my lane. We're going to talk to you about love today and unpack it from a lot of different angles. And the Bible has a lot to say about love. But before we get into the, the scriptures, I was thinking, you know, Valentine's Day, uh, Rachel and I, we dated for four years. And this year we will have been married 25 years. So we've had 29 Valentines together. And uh, come on, that's a good place to say, yay. I love it. You put up with me for a long time, almost three decades, girl, almost three decades. I married her when she was seven. And um, do you remember our first Valentine's Day as a married couple? Do you remember that? I didn't remember it, but you remembered it only because you wrote it down. Because I wrote it down. And I remember it because we talked about it last service. So we're good. So we both remember. We both remembered. Hey, history makers are? Note takers. Note takers. So I did. I wrote it down. I remember our first uh, Valentine's as a married couple, and we were broke like no joke. Come on. How many members being young and in love? I mean, you could barely keep the lights on, but man, press God, we're together. And so we, uh, we rolled over, low budget Valentine's, we rolled over to, uh, to Walmart. Walmart. Yeah, Walmart, which I tell everybody, when I die, I want Rachel to bury me in the Walmart parking lot. Because I know she's going to come visit me every day. They have pickup now. They do so have pickup now. I'm sorry. The joke changes. Okay. So we, we rolled to Walmart and uh, on a low, low budget. And so we, we separate. When we, when we walked in the door, I said, hey, you go your way. I go my way. And we're going we're gonna to search the perfect Valentine's gift for each other. And I think maybe 10 minutes later, we bumped into each other on the pots and piles. Uh, pots pans. and piles. Pans. Pots and pans. Pots and pans aisle. I'm your That's helper. what I meant to say. Yeah, thank you. And, uh, and so you had a card in your hand that you had picked out for me, and I had a card in mine. And so we, we exchanged cards. We read them to each other. We, we hugged and we kissed each other. We put the cards back on the shelf, and then we rolled. That's we awesome. left. And, you know, that was a great Valentine's Day. How many know I can't repeat that one anymore? Uh, Valentine's changes 29 years later. And how many of you have, like, your favorite cards? Like, we had our favorite cards when we were dating, and it was the trifold. Do you remember the long trifold? I mean, like, they said everything that you needed to say in there, so you didn't have to write a whole lot. Except for me, I still wrote so, in it. There's, yeah. Girl, I got, I got stuff you like that to I write. need to tell you. You like to talk. Yes, I do. That. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. A lot. Hey, hey, do y'all remember being in elementary school and celebrating Valentine's Day and you had this little project, you had to get like a shoebox and then decorate the shoebox and wrap it up and personalize it and then there was a little, uh, a little cut in the top of it so it was like your mailbox and everyone in your class would pass out. How many members those? Yeah, when you, so when you're young, you get like the, I would get the superhero Valentine cards. You had 26 kids in my first grade class, so I got 
26 cards and, you know, it was like Hulk smash saying, I hope your Valentine's Day is just smashingly good. Or, you know, it's a Superman saying, you sure are super. Remember that? Yeah, I do. And I'm going to speak to the moms for a minute. You know, what was so frustrating is your kid, your kid would have 26 kids in their class and the cards only came in groups of 24. So then you'd have to buy two boxes and then you have like 22 left over. Are you with me, mamas? Come on. Come on. Everybody say God bless mama. Uh, we honor mom on Valentine's Day for sure. Uh, but I thought about that because, you know, when you're, when you're young, you give out all kinds of Valentine's Day cards. But when you get older, you hope to just give one. You know, you're, you're lucky if you give one or you get one. And sometimes, you know, love changes throughout the different seasons of our lives. Sometimes we measure love. Is it valuable because it's in abundance? 26 kids, 26 cards, or is it valuable because it's scarce? You know, one card, one love. You know, we, we throw the word love around and, and we use it to describe a lot of things. You know, I, Valentine's Day, I said, babe, I love you. You know, you're, you're my love, my endless love. And then I say, I love Chick-fil-A, <laughs> but, but I love her. Hey, baby, you my Chick-fil-A. No, I'm not your Chick-fil-A, I'm sorry. <laughs> I better be more than your Chick-fil-A. That's true. That's true. You know, we say love to describe a lot of different things. In our English language, we have one word to describe a number of different things. But in biblical language, and this is what we want to talk about today, we want to talk about love from the perspective of the scriptures. How many of you know that love has a lot to do with it? And the best book that's ever been written in the history of mankind on love is this one right here. Can I have a better amen? And so today, if, we're, if you're taking notes, I want you to jot down. We, we've used four words, four different aspects of love, four Greek words, and we're going to show how they, they're demonstrated in the scriptures to guide our conversation today. And the first one is this. The Bible talks about a love called storge, storge, S-T-O-R-G-E, storge, and that's a family love. The very basic fundamental of all loves is this family kind of love. It's a built-in love. It's a love by default. It's not necessarily a love by choice, but it's a love by chance. And this family love is the basic of all loves. Babe, what would you say about that? Yeah, you know, I can remember when we had our first child, Alexa, she's 22 now, but I still remember the day when she was born and I held her in my arms and it was just a natural love that I have for her. And then when we had our other two, I'm thinking, well, how could I ever love them as much as I love my first, but somehow, you know, you just love your children. And so I can also remember for you, um, the doctor, I can remember everything went well for our first one. And then the doctor came out and we were youth pastors and the room was filled with kids who were not waiting. The, the waiting room. The waiting, the waiting room. room. The waiting room. We not the room. allow the youth group up into the birthing center. <laughs> well, I think they knew that. Okay. Just the waiting to... room. And it was the, different back in the day. The doctor, um, she went out and she said, mama's okay, baby's okay, but we're just not sure about dad because he was a basket case. <laughs> so he was crying was, his heart out. I so, was a hot mess. So, I was just not prepared. I yeah. was not prepared when they put Alexa into my hands. I mean, 
it wrecked me. Yeah. And you know, it's amazing how that kind of family love is so immediate. And that bond, you know, when they're, when they're babies, they don't do anything but cost you. They, they cost you time. They cost you a lot of money. They sleep. cost you a whole lot of sleep. Come on, somebody. But you just love them, and it's, it's automatic. So the, the scripture talks about this family kind of love, and it's a, a love by default. Now, it's not just the love that a, a parent has for a child, but it's also love within siblings. Now, this can get a little interesting. How many of you have children? How many of you, your kids, they don't always get along? Is it okay to keep it real in church? Yeah, how many of you, your kids get into fights and you have to referee a wrestling match, even on the way to church? Come on, yes. I remember one time we had a family over at the house and, um, and we were visiting in the living room and I hear this scream come from the other room. And it was like this shrill, this high-pitched scream. And I come running in and I see Michaela, our middle daughter, she's balled up in the chair and Trevor, our youngest, has a wiffle ball bat and he's about to come down and just slice and dice her and I'm like whoa whoa, whoa, time out time out whoa wait just a minute and then he starts to defend himself like but she but she and I'm like dude you got the weapon of mass destruction in your hand and then you have to kind of facilitate a moment of reconciliation how many moms and dads have done that okay tell each other you're sorry and they're not really sorry but you make them say it and it's a sorry, okay, now tell each other that you love each other. And it's just like, man, they are not feeling that at all. You make them hug, and it's like one of those things where, you know, I have to love you, but I don't like you. Come on, somebody. This is what, what the scripture, when it's talking about storge, it's just the basic family kind of love. And the scripture says in Ephesians 6, I'll read this verse real quickly. Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. Honor your father and your mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you and you will have a long life on the earth. This is the foundational building block, building block of love. But the truth is, not everybody is born into a family that gives and receives this kind of love. Yeah, I think, you know, that the absence of this kind of love, because we live in a fallen and a broken world, and, and when uh, I'm sure many of you in this room have not experienced that from your own mother and father, and what that creates is a lot of brokenness and dysfunction, and what happens is, you know, those moments are used to affect you and how you can love others, and mm-hmm. you know, that's the part of the plan of the enemy, if he can create a broken version of love for you, then he tries to destroy you. But you know, the good thing is we serve a God, a mighty God who redeems and he restores. And, mm-hmm. and we have to remember that God is, he is not um, a reflection of our earthly father. He is a perfection of your earthly mm, father. So good. So good. But you, you need to say that again. That was, that was okay. strong. God is not a reflection of your earthly father. He is a perfection of your earthly father. So if you've been harmed by your father or, or mother brokenness that you or, or at the hands of anybody, know that God can perfect things in your life and you can experience love in a way that you never have before because of him. Yeah, and, and I think there is a lot of brokenness as it uh, centers around family love. 
you know, we, we talk to people all the time. And, and you know, this is a, a church, and, and we use words like family. We, we want to be big enough to reach the world, but small enough to feel like home. We want to create an environment where you feel the love of family. Maybe you didn't get that from your natural family, but we want to create that space and that place where you can receive it from spiritual family. And, and we counsel people who, in the absence of this family love, it has created a whole lot of hurt and heartache. Uh, if there's been a deficit of this kind of love in your life, you'll see it manifested in your friendships, in a relationship with your, your spouse, even in how you receive from God. You know, and we, we call this church a, a healing place for a hurting world. Uh, can I tell you, the people that walk through our doors week after week, some of them carry tremendous pain because they haven't received the most basic, foundational, fundamental aspect of this love. And, and for you, I would say this, please see Healing Place as a hospital. This is not a museum for perfect people. This is a hospital for broken people. Can I have a good Amen. This is triage, and you come in here, and you know, I, I, I talk to people all the time, babe, I know you do too. They say, as soon as I walk in the door, I felt something different. I was greeted by a, a, a greeter at the door. An usher helped me find my seat. I was, I was waved in in the parking lot. Somebody helped me get out of my car and get into the building. They say, when the music first started at the beginning of service, all I could do was cry. Well, what is that? That's the redemptive love of God trying to bring healing everywhere you yeah. hurt. Yeah. And, and let, me, let me caution us too. Never mock a pain that you haven't endured. Don't make light of or minimize or mock a pain that you haven't endured because when life hits you, you might become everything that you've criticized. That's why we have to create margin. Well, he ain't acted right. Well, she said this. Sometimes they hurt us because hurting people hurt people. And it's, it's not, it may be directed toward you, but it came from a different place. Storge love is this family love. And I want to say this about the church. You know, the, like you said, the church is a hospital and there's not perfect people. We're not perfect here in the church. And so, you know, the enemy will use sometimes, he'll use the church for some of your best friends. But the enemy, I've seen him use the church to try to keep you out of church. Hmm. Meaning that there might be some people that are not healed in the church and maybe they hurt you. And the enemy's plan is to keep you out of God's house. That's and right. he will use church people to do it. See, the church is the very, the Bible says the church, those who are planted in the house of God will flourish. Come on. And the, you have to recognize when it's a tool from the enemy and let's not stereotype. Hey, just because it happened at one church or whatever, you know, the church is God's bride, you know, mm -hmm. and you know, I, I guess I see that we're living in a world that there's so much stereotyping and you know, we got to look at people individually and mm -hmm. we got to allow God to heal. We can't put too much stock in one person. We've got to put it in God because the Bible says God is love. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and as people, we're all flawed and, mm -hmm. and we're all on a journey. And um, so, you know, let's come into God's house, you know, give people the benefit of the doubt. But like you said, we never know where someone's pain is coming from. Usually if they're lashing out, there's some source of pain in their mm -hmm. life, you mm -hmm. know. Yeah, so. I would say this too, where there's heat, there's hurt. Where there's heat, there's 
hurt. And if somebody is angry, you know, if they lash out, then there's probably a wound that they've never been healed from. And our, our heart is that when you come to Healing Place Church, whatever family that you've come from, and I tell people, the Hamans, we put the funk in dysfunctional. Okay, I mean, we, I got some crazy things in my family tree. And I know that, you know, sometimes I bring that baggage with me. Our heart is that you would come to a place like this and you can unpack your bags. Uh, because if most of our pain comes through relationships, then most of our healing will come through relationships as well. So number one, storge, that's family love. Number two, there's also a Greek word, an, another kind of love the Bible talks about. It's Philia, philia. How do I say that? Philia. 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 Filet. However you want to say Filet it. Fish, uh, f- <laughs> philia fish. Philia. This is yeah. a a friendship kind of love. A friendship kind of love. So Bible talks about family love, but then also speaks of friendship. You know, this philia is from the English word, which we get our, 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 the name of the city, Philadelphia. Philadelphia is the, the city of brotherly love. And the scripture says in 1 Peter 3, 8, finally, all of you should be of one mind, sympathize with each other, love each other, philia, love each other as brothers and sisters, be tenderhearted and keep a humble attitude. This family love is a love by default, but philia, friendship, is a love by decision. It's where you decide, you choose. You see, we don't choose the family we're born into. That's automatic. But the friendships we develop along the way, that's where we put in our choices. And, you know, talking, talking about the church and friendships, and you all know that we're living in a time where, you know, a lot of friendships have been broken due to what's happening in our communities and our culture and our world. A lot of people have lost friendships because of what they said and the things maybe they've posted or just not being in agreement. And, you know, the Bible talks about unity and there's so much strength if mm-hmm. we as a church can be unified, mm-hmm. you know, and our unity walk requires unity talk. So Ooh, we can't just say, good. I like what you did. There. We can't just say we're going to walk in unity and then we don't talk unity. Oh, come so on. Funny. No, that's, that's good stuff. But it doesn't mean we're always going to see eye to eye. We are married and we don't always see the eye to eye on things, but we have to focus on the cause and the vision as a church, you know, not the mm. issues that mm. are in our culture. Mm. We have to focus on what God has called us to do. And I love the scripture found in Ephesians 4, 3. I don't think they have it on the screen, but it says this, it says, make every effort, which means you have got to work at it. Work. So if you got to make an effort, it doesn't mean it comes naturally, right? Mm-hmm. We have to work at it to keep yourselves united in the spirit, mm-hmm. not in opinions, in the spirit, mm, binding yourselves together with peace. And when there's peace, there's love and unity. And we have to get good at that as a church because I want the world to see something different in the body of Christ. That's so. right. That's so good. You know, we, we tell our, our children this and we teach our staff this. Uh, but we say, hey, I don't know who your enemies are, but they're not in this room. And it's where we've got to remind ourselves that we're on the same team. 
we, we serve the same heavenly father. Well, you know, people sometimes die from friendly fire. And friendly fire is just as destructive as enemy fire. I think the plan of the enemy is to come into the church and create this divisive spirit. When, listen to me, beloved, we have to fight for unity. Yeah. We, we, this, this friendship kind of love is something that you've invested in. That's why one of the things we talk about is small groups. Being involved in a small group is crucial. I don't know who your squad is, but do you have a squad? Do you have a group of guys, a group of girls that will just go to the mat for you? How many of you have a squad? Yes, indeed. See, the enemy wants you to be isolated, but God says, no, I've created you for community. When God created the earth in Genesis chapter one, we read the narrative, the story of creation, and six days he put it all together, even made Adam and Eve. After each day, he looked back and he said, it's good. What I did was good. But the one thing he said was not good was for man to be alone. And this is so much more than just in a romantic marital context. God says it's not good for you to be by yourself. Christianity is not a solo run. Can I have a good amen? We need each other. And you know, the truth is, we all know we need friendships. You know that down here. You may be walking solo right now, but you know in your soul you need friendships. Hear this. You don't get the friendships you want. You get the friendships you build. You know you need friends, but you can't just expect friendship to happen. It takes investment on your part. The scripture says if you want to have friends, you must show yourself what? Friendly. In other words, Plant a seed for what you need. Plant into somebody else the things that you want to grow in your own life. Oh, I'm preaching better than you're shouting right now. This is where the harvest comes in because you can't expect a harvest if you're not willing to plant a seed. You say, man, I'm lonely at work. Well, then you need to reach out at work. Man, nobody invites me to a Super Bowl party at their house. How about you throw the Super Bowl party and you send out the invitations? Come on, somebody. Man, it's Valentine's Day, and I know Valentine's Day is hard, and the enemy wants you to feel alone and isolated. Use Valentine's Day as an opportunity to sow seeds of love. I'm going to think about somebody else because I know what I want to grow in my life. That's good. I like How that. How good is that, babe? That's really good. Is that amazing? I heard, I heard someone say one time, <laughs> "If he needs words of affirmation. Come on. Um... <laughs> I was shouting you down on that other one, man. You were rolling with that one. I was like, somebody need to write that down. I just need you to serve me. You don't have to tell me how good I am. <laughs> That's not my love language. I know. I okay. wish it were. You... No, but I heard it once said, if you, if you want flowers on Valentine's Day and you know you're probably not going to get them, then sow a seed. Find somebody who's lonely and you go give them some flowers. Mm, the Bible good. says, um, you reap what you sow. And, and it's better to give than to receive anyway, you know? Mm-hmm. And you'll find so much joy when you take your focus off of yourself and begin to put it on someone else. Yeah, and I would so. also add to that one final thought. I think the church is the best environment to build the best friendships. I think this is a space and a place. And that's why I would encourage you not to just, you know, rush in and rush out on a Sunday. 
There's a depth that you need in your life that we can't give from the stage on a Sunday in an hour and 15 minutes. And if you would be intentional this year, get in a small group, reach out to somebody, be a part of an outreach team, go through next steps. And when you're able to serve on a team, you battle together, you bleed together, you bond together. That's how this thing works. You'll never do the will of God all by yourself. Don't let the enemy deceive you. You need family love, the foundational love, but you also need friends. Jesus could have been solo. He's the only one that had the power to do it all by himself, yet he chose 12 men to do life with. And that sets the example for you and me. Number one, storge, that's family love. Number two is philia, that's friendship love. Number three is eros, and that is romantic love, romantic love. And I'm going to defer to Rachel on this one. All right. How do you feel about this romance? This is your favorite one. I'm this surprised is, you're deferring. I, I love this one. Um, yeah, well... As many of you know, how many of you, let's, let's just say growing up, your parents did not talk to you about sex? You can raise your hand. It's okay. It's okay to talk about it in church. God created it. Okay, it's on right. the heels of that, how many of you never heard your pastor or how you grew up in church, you never heard a sermon on sex? Okay, this is very telling. If your parents aren't teaching you about physical intimacy and the church is silent on this issue, where are you going to get your education from? Mm, you say, well, pastor, it's just a, it's a little bit embarrassing. I can't believe we're going to talk about this in church. I'm a little uncomfortable. Can I tell you this? God is not uncomfortable talking to us about something he created for us. Where do you think sex came from? <laughs> They're quiet. Uh, yeah, they are quiet. It didn't come from Hollywood. Come on, somebody. But you know what? It's everywhere. Sex sells everything from tires to toothpaste and everything in between. Our music is filled with it. Our movies are saturated with. You know what? You think your kids aren't, you're trying to protect your kids. Your kids are hearing it in the locker room. Come on, somebody. You can't go to the bathroom at a local Exxon and not see something written on the wall. Come on, talk to me. How are we going to educate this next generation if our parents are silent and the church is quiet? I want you to know our silence is killing us. Yeah, yeah. Sex is not a wicked thing. It's not an evil thing. It's not a dirty thing. It's a beautiful thing. It originated from God's heart, and it was intended for man and woman to experience within the covenant of marriage. Marriage is the only realm, the only relationship. Anything outside of that that becomes physical, sexual is dangerous. Yeah. You know, the cult, our culture that we're living in, it, you know, it will lure you, it will lie to you, and then it leads you down a path of destruction. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't show you the end result, right. you know, of what happens on the other side. And God is so clear 
in his word. And I'm so passionate about this because I have kids that have been raised in a cell phone generation. We were not raised in a cell phone generation. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we as parents, we have got to get good at making sure we know what our kids are watching, what they're listening to, the type of music. You know, just because culture says it's okay doesn't mean it's okay. Just because their friends are doing it doesn't mean it's okay. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to be okay with being the only one sometimes. Mm -hmm. You have to be, hey, my kid's not going to do that. My kid's not going to watch that. My kid's not going to have Instagram. Parents, Mm -hmm. please know what your kids, Mm -hmm. please know their apps. I'm telling you, the devil is so sly and he Mm -hmm. is after a generation. He is, he, all he needs is a little crack and we've got to be good at knowing what our kids, you know, he's trying to destroy a generation, you know, and the devil wants us to be deceived, even as parents, mm-hmm. not know how to do the new technology. So, you know, I'm just so passionate about this because I know, and I've, I've seen so many people that have just, you know, they've just been so much hurt because of the sexual, you know, the culture that we're living in, mm-hmm. you know, God is very clear in mm-hmm. his word, Amen. very clear. And And I would say, you know, if you're having sex right now outside of marriage, you will not be blessed by God. God intended it. Like you said, between a man and a woman who are married and God is very clear, not culture. God's word is very clear on that. You know, there's a whole book in the Bible called the Song of Solomon. Do you know that this is the only book of the 66 books in scripture that was edited and censored by the Christian church? You know, they wouldn't let Jewish boys read the Song of Solomon until the age of 13 because it stirred up so much passion within them. I can remember, I see, I see Richie Edmonds here. I remember during the late night days, I was teaching college and young adults, and we were, we were teaching them, doing a series out of the Song of Solomon, okay? So I, I'm reading a portion of the Song of Solomon, and this is a, it, let me tell you, it's like rated R, okay? This is your Bible. I'm not making this stuff up, all right? The couple is intimate twice, Okay? Now, it's a, it's a husband and a wife, but they're intimate twice. And I remember reading a portion of, that, of the narrative, and it got to one of those real steamy, you know, moments in the scripture. And a dude on the front row was reading, and he did this right here. <laughs> he had to make sure that he was reading the Bible. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, listen, the Bible is the best book on sex and love than anything that's ever been written. God intended intimacy for pleasure, but the devil has used it to create pain. And if you're taking your cues from culture and not reading God's prescription on physical intimacy, then you are getting bad information and you are going to hurt yourself and a whole lot of other people too. Here's why God says no to sex outside of marriage or sex before marriage. God says no, not for your restriction, but for your protection. This is to protect you. You say, well, man, it's just handcuffing me. It's tying me. I'm giving up my freedoms. Uh, Love is about warning. Uh, Love is about caring about somebody so they don't hurt themselves. Let me ask you this question. How many of you are thankful that on a day like today, it's cold outside? How many of you are thankful for a fireplace? How many of you wish you had a fireplace? You know, a fireplace 
It's a place of warmth and comfort. You know, it, it's, it's a place where the family will gather around. It's very useful and practical. But let me ask you this. What if the fire got outside of that fireplace? What would happen? It would burn the whole house down. You see, as long as that fire is behind glass and brick and metal and stone, then it provides the warmth that it's supposed to. But let that fire get outside of the fireplace. Sex is the same way. God says sex within marriage to bring warmth and comfort and strength to a family. But outside of that, it could be very destructive. That's good. And, I, you know, I feel like as we were studying, I feel like the Lord just wanted me to speak to the singles for a minute because I know a day like today can be really hard for those who are single. And, you know, if you're not fulfilled in your now with Christ, you won't be fulfilled in your next with someone else. Mm, Because, you know, I think sometimes the image of a relationship is what we like more than the reality of it because the reality of it and the image of it is completely different. Can mm. I have an amen from the married folks? Amen. You know, we watch, culture does the movies and the, the romance and the music and everything thinking we're gonna be so fulfilled, but at the end we're really left feeling heartbroken if we do it the world's way. Yeah. You know, and we wonder, am I ever gonna find my it, whatever that is, and it's Jesus, because mm-hmm. Jesus, the Bible says God is love, and he is the only one that can truly hold mm-hmm. your heart. Mm-hmm. His hands are only big enough mm-hmm. to hold your heart. And, you know, I just want to remind the singles today that, um, you know, being single is not a disease. Come it's on. not a red flag. It's not some yep. club you're a part of. Come on, say it. It's not something to, to be tolerated until you get freedom. All right. I'm shouting you, girl. <laughs> I'm inspired. But we, we know that relationships don't bring you freedom. They bring exposure. Ooh. When you get married, what does it do? It exposes who you are <laughs> and exposes who your spouse is. Yes, it does. You know, and, and, and I would just say, hey, spend time in the dark room with your creator because eventually that picture is going to be beautiful mm. for whatever's to come on the other side. And in Psalms, it talks about Psalm 37. It says, God knows the desires of your heart. He knows them and he knows what's best for you. Mm-hmm. And I read this statement the other day. It says, it's better to wait long than to marry wrong. Can I have Ooh, an amen? Come on, hum at me today. Mm, that was good. Yeah. Better to say that. It's, it's better, better to, to wait, wait long, long than to marry, than to marry wrong. wrong. So good. Yeah. So good. But you know what's great? We've talked about all this. And, you know, we'll go into number, number four and God redeems all of this. You know, everything we've talked about from the first love, the um, storge to the philia or philia. um, Even if you've done all of this wrong or you've been hurt, we have so much hope because the last one we're going to talk about is agape love. That's right, agape. Unconditional love from our heavenly father. Yeah, and this is where we want to land today because all other loves submit to this one whether it's family, friends, or spouse, this is the creme de la creme. This is the kind of love agape will empower your family. Agape empowers friendships. Agape brings strength to a marriage. It brings healing. Where there was brokenness in your family, agape brings healing. Maybe you've been fractured in a friendship. Agape is gonna bring healing. It's what lifts a marriage higher. You see, agape is unconditional love. 
Aren't you thankful that God did not restrict his love or put conditions on it when it came to you? You know, agape is seeing you at your worst and loving you anyway. That's what heaven did when, when heaven sent Jesus. The Bible says this in 1 John 3, 16. I asked the band to come up. 1 John 3, 16. We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and our sisters. You know, this is that sacrificial love that says you don't deserve it. You can't earn it. You'll never outrun it, but it's yours. And that's what God gives us. Agape is the God kind of love that everybody is searching for, but sometimes they look in the wrong places and they substitute these other loves for this one. You know, if you're here today, and maybe like Rachel had made mention, maybe this is a hard day. Maybe you, we've talked about certain things in family and, and friendships and, and, and even a marriage. Maybe you had a marriage that didn't last. Maybe you were married really early. Or, or maybe you just feel like your life has been marked by brokenness with each one of these expressions of love. The love of God can heal you. It can heal your heart. It can restore your mind. It can give you everything that you've longed for. That the world can make promises of but they can't provide. Does that make sense? The world will promise you this kind of love, but they can't give it. The world can't give it, so guess what? If you've received it, the world can't take it from you. This God kind of love. You know, Jesus lived his life in such a way where he said, belong, believe, then behave. Belong, believe, behave. This agape says belonging first. But you know, the world has flipped this backwards. Sometimes we get it wrong in the church. We say just the opposite. Hey, you got to behave first. You better clean up your act, get yourself together. And then once you do, maybe you'll believe the gospel. And then once you do that, then we'll maybe just maybe let you belong to us. Maybe we'll let you join the church. Maybe you can be a part of, of this. And you know what? Jesus flipped the script. He said, you got it totally backwards. I'm going to let you belong first. I mean, look, look at who he reached out to. These fishermen. He didn't check their theology. Some of them were tax collectors. Some of them were, you know, even in the political system. And he says, look, I want you on my team. What about the, the Samaritan woman at the well or the woman with the, uh, that was caught in the very act of adultery? Liars and lepers and everyone in between. Jesus says, hey, I want you to belong. Come be on my team. And then something happens when you feel a sense of belonging. It triggers your heart to believe. Lord, I trust you. You see, we believe because we belong. Are you catching this? You belong first and then you believe. And then guess what happens? The Holy Spirit comes and he helps you clean yourself up. Then the behavior begins to fall in line. Agape is the only thing that can produce that. And if you're here today and you haven't received that kind of love, I would be a poor pastor if I didn't give you a chance to open up your heart to receive what God wants to give. And in fact, do, do you receive, has this been helpful today? Come on, can you put your hands together if you believe this? Thank you for listening. Take a moment and subscribe so you can become a part of the community here and stay up to date with what is happening at Healing Place Church. For more information about HPC, visit healingplacechurch.org.